Yeah? Come on. That's good. Hey, how many of you know what our, our church mission is here? Come on. To send loved, mended, and trained people out. Come on, say it again. What's our mission? To send loved, mended, and trained people out. All of you are being a little apprehensive now because you're worried that I'm going to send somebody out. You know why? Because we are. Come on. You know, you just got to, come on. Yeah, that's good. You can clap. Listen, if you're not living in the calling that God created you to live in, you'll always be frustrated. If you're not fulfilling the mission that God put in your heart to fulfill, you'll always feel like you're just missing something. Let me tell you what I've learned in my 50 years of life. Finally, I know what my mission is. I know, my, you know what my mission is? Here's, I'll tell you what my mission is. My mission is to send loved, mended, and trained people out. That's my mission. You get to climb on it. Come on, right on. Hey, listen, this morning, we are really blessed because we get to send another one of our great leaders out. Now, I don't know if you recognize it or not, but some of you got to see two really great leaders up here this morning. And some of you are like, am I in the right church? Right, because two of those great leaders are now on our staff. Why? Because one day we're going to send them out too. Right? Why? Because that's what God created us to do. Some of you are like, this is the weirdest church I've ever been in. Guy takes them in, raises them up, and sends them out, right? You know why? Because that's the mission of our church. And if this ain't your mission and your church, then talk to me and I'll help you go find a church that has the mission for you. I'll help you find a really cool church. There's some great ones around here. But this church is going to send people out. So we're going to reach lost and dying people. So this morning, I would like to invite the next people that we get to send out. We're going to send them a long ways away this time, not just up the road. Katie and Chad, why don't you guys come on up here? Come on. <clears throat> Chad and Katie Calloway, I'm doing my best not to cry. We got some time, right? We do, we do. So, so we do got some time. We, uh, th this has been in the works for a while, mm -hmm. right? So Omar takes off. We sent him just a, just a little bit ago. Omar's doing great, by the way. He's, been, he's now been pastoring and preaching for a good month and a half, right? He's just going. He led his first council meeting last week. All I know is when I got heard from him, he was just like, whoo, <laughs> right? So he's, he's doing it, right? He's doing a fantastic job. But you guys feel like God's calling you to be sent mm -hmm. to Australia, Tell us a little bit about That's that. That's right. Yeah, yes, this has been in the works for almost a year now. Um, so you, you, you going was before Omar was going. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he kind of so, stole our thunder, so uh, <laughs> I'll forgive him. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, he did the same thing to me. That's right. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, so um, we went back to Australia for a visit, and it was the first time Chad was actually able to come with me for the first time in nine years for him. Um, since we'd been living here. And so we went to my brother's wedding and God just was like, you know what, I've trained you up and now it's time to come back and uh, impart the wisdom that we've learned here at PSCC and take it back to Perth. So so what will you be doing in Perth while you're there? You're going to some church that you've never met before or do you know <laughs> some people there? No, actually, uh, so actually the reason I came to know the Lord was because this guy here brought me to a church on top of a video store called um, Port Community, uh, and we we got involved with them, and that's where I gave my life to the Lord in this church, um, which we helped move into a warehouse very similar to this in Perth, Western Australia, 
and they're now called C3 Fremantle, which is a part of the Christian City Churches, and um, they have made room for me um, come on part-time, and so I'll be helping to oversee the youth and events at the church that I gave my life to Christ in. So, wow, how about that? It's awesome. So, Chad, naturally, you get to go. Tell me one thing you're looking forward to as you get to Australia. Um, about two feet less rain a year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I guess the biggest thing for me is that we are being obedient, um, that we're, we're, we're going where, where God is putting us. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie and, and say that, yeah, that's kind of the only thing that, that I'm looking forward to. Um, there are going to be some more options for me in my my field, uh, you know, uh, in archaeology um, that they have um, the big mining uh, booms down there. So just awesome. working with the, the Aboriginal cultures and everything, and the mining companies kind of liaising with uh, between the the groups is is something that there's a little bit more opportunity for, um, and then maybe you know doing some teaching and, and things as well. But yeah, that's. Those are, are kind of really what we're looking forward to, I think. That's awesome. And and just um, you know, supporting Katie in, in her calling because, you know, I definitely know that she's called to ministry and and yeah, that's uh, that's probably, you know, that is the most important thing, uh, you know, that we're we're just being obedient. Amen. So so I, I talk with your wife and I, I tell her, Give me your give me your wildest ministry dreams and she says things like to one day pastor my own church in Australia. Is that freaking you out? It, I'm not gonna lie and, and, and say it doesn't, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I I know she can do it. She's come on, you know, definitely, definitely got the the gift. And you get to fly a in a guest speaker, and, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, at some point. Yeah. That's right. We'll make it happen. Yeah. Hey, I, can I we be do the, this? The first husband of a church. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So so you're here now in the office until the end of the month. Mm-hmm, that's right. And then, and then we're going to have a big send-off for you, the big celebration. Mm-hmm. And when are we going to do that? May 21st. May 21st. So mark your calendars for that because we're going to see that happen. So can we just pray for them right now in this transition? It hasn't been a super easy one, but it's been one. And, and I'll tell you what, it's been great. And by the way, I'm going to introduce you to who's going to be replacing them. You might have already seen them. <laughs> they're here. <laughs> I'll tell you about John and Gina. I'm telling you, they're amazing. And John Hahn, when you meet them as well this next week, we're going to bring them up. But can you stretch a hand forward as we pray over Chad and Katie? God, thank you so much for this time and this season. Lord, we just ask that you would continue blessing, blessing the Callaways, God. I thank you so much for their willingness to just say yes. So have your way. God, give them courage to continue to walk this out and provision. Lord, sell their house like they're hoping that it can happen, Jesus, that this offer goes through and all that stuff. We trust you. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. Love you guys. Amen. Come on. That's what a church does that loves men's trains, right? We send, right? I love this. You know, Katie said to me, she goes, Lance, I want to make sure you know something. I said, what? She goes, I'm not going back to Australia because I sound like them. I said, why are you going back? And she goes, because I'm being sent from my church. (laughs) I want to cry. Love it. That's what God's called us to do, and we're going to do it because that's what our mission is. Amen. You know, I was, uh, Easter's coming. You heard uh, Christina come up here and say that Easter's one of those moments that people come to church and why they come to church on Easter. Man, I don't know. Our culture still says it's okay. 
So I, I'm going to ask our ushers if they would come forward real quick and, and hand everyone uh, one of these cards. These cards are what I call invite cards, invite cards. You're all going to take one per family. All right, here's what I want you to do. As a family, I want you to pray and ask God to show you who it is you're to invite to church. Guys, I have a message. Go ahead, guys, hand them out. Just one per family. And I, I want you to take one, and we'll hand them out again next week if you didn't get one this week or if you want to hand out a couple more. But this is just an invitation on the back. There's a map. There's a service times. And we're adding another service for Easter. We're going to have you, we're going to give an option for 8 a.m. And so if you're part of our church and you've been with us for a long time, I'll tell you what, come early. It's going to be great. There's going to be a lot of people running around here. So come to the 8 o'clock service. Come to a couple services if you want to and bring somebody with you. It'd be an opportunity. And can I just challenge you that if, you've, if, if you feel comfortable, man, I'll tell you what, make sure, come and serve. If, if our room packs out and you can't find a place to sit, then uh, stick around for the service afterwards and we'll create some overflow for you. But I want to create space for people to find Jesus. So can, have you had that card in your hand? Can we just pray over those right now? Nothing magic in a piece of paper, but there is something about you handing it to somebody. So Jesus, we lay our hands on this card. Not because it's magical, God, not because there's something that's going to be transferred into a piece of paper, but God, we pray right now that you show us the right person to hand this card off to, or that that person can find you in a real tangible way. Have your way, Jesus. We love you, and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. We are in the middle of a series called The Problem, The Plan, and The Promise. The Problem, The Plan, and The Promise. We've been talking about last week what the problem of humanity is. You know, I, I did a Google search just last week on mankind's greatest problem, right? Try that one out, right? Don't do it now. Mankind's greatest problem. You know what I came up with? People think that mankind's greatest problem are things like uh, global warming, right? Or uh, uh, global terrorism. All that stuff is important, right? Overpopulation of the planet, right? People kind of tend to think that these are mankind's biggest problems. Now, I want to submit to you today that I think mankind has a bigger problem than global warming or the national debt. Mankind has a bigger problem, and it's called sin. We talked last week about the problem, and the problem is sin. What is sin? The word sin is an archery term that means to miss the bullseye. It literally means to miss the mark. All sinning is is shooting an arrow at a target and missing it. Whether you miss it by a little or a lot, sinning is missing the target. The Bible says all of us have sinned. That's the problem. The problem is, is we all have this crazy sin problem. I'm just not so convinced that we're fully aware of it. I mean, we have these justifiable reasons for why we pack around this thing in our lives. See, here's the, here's the crazy truth. Heaven is this place of perfection, of sinless existence, with a perfect, pure, undefiled God. And we're hoping that heaven can be that way for a long time, aren't we? We're hoping that heaven can be this perfect, sinless, just a place of complete peace and freedom. Come on, right? Here's the funny thing. Heaven will remain that way as long as we don't show up to it. Because on our own, we're a crazy mess filled with sin. See, this sin problem, I'm not so convinced we fully understand that what it is. I don't think we really understand what sin means to miss the mark. It's interesting because if Adam sinned in the beginning, Adam had a relationship with God. God said, hey, listen, Adam, don't do that one thing. And Adam did what the rest of us would do, and we did that one thing. 
And he ate the apple or whatever it was that he ate, but he did exactly what God told him not to do. So then it kind of begs the question, well, God, that's Adam's problem. Why are you mad at me? God, that's Adam's big deal. So if Adam blew it and Adam sinned, then why are you coming down on me? Why is sin my issue when it was his fault? See, we were all born into this bloodline called humanity. Every one of us were born into this crazy bloodline of making decisions that are inappropriate and wrong and, well, sinful. Every one of us misses the mark. Every one of us tries to solve the problem. Now, for centuries, in fact, since the moment that man sinned, man has been trying to unfix, to, to, to fix his sin problem. Man has been trying to undo it, to try to fix it. And we, we do that by trying to um, do good works. We do that by trying to create false gods. We do that by trying to manipulate the world situation in order to get the peace that only can come from a right relationship to God. And so we try to fix our problems. You know, realize that's what the whole law was all about. You know, the Ten Commandments, right? You know, the Ten Commandments was really given to show us how much we really need God. I love this because sometimes I think we, we read the Bible too fast. The, the purpose of the Ten Commandments, remember Moses standing there up on the mountain, God gives him these Ten Commandments. The reason the, whole, the, the Ten Commandments came about was because all humanity was down here on earth and they were like, God, you know what? You know, Moses and Samuel and Elijah and Elisha, those guys are great prophets and all, but it would be great if you just told us a set of rules to follow. Because if you gave us rules to follow, then we wouldn't have to have relationship. We'd just follow the rules. And so God said, do you really think that's going to solve the problem? And what do we do as mankind? Yes, yes, God, just give us some rules and we'll follow them and we won't have to have relationship with you. So God said, okay. Hands him a bunch of commandments. Just ten. Here you go. The Bible says that these ten commandments weren't there to show us. It literally, here's the funny thing. It, listen to what it says about the ten commandments. It says, right here. It says in Romans chapter 3, verse, 9, verse 19. It says, obviously, the law applies to those, or the Ten Commandments applies to those whom it was given, for its purpose was to keep people from having excuses and to bring the entire world into judgment before God. For no one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what the Ten Commandments say. For the more we know God's law, the clearer it becomes that we are not obeying it. Sin. What is sin? Sin is this crazy thing that we all have, this predisposition for making crazy decisions. Every one of us has this sin problem. We were born into the human race, and we got it. Get this, what the Bible says. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, when Adam sinned, sin entered the entire human race. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone has sinned. Well, what's the big deal? Why can't God just overlook it? How come God just can't overlook our sin problem? I mean, all those questions loom in our minds. How come God just can't say, okay, I get it. Okay, you're good. He's God. He could do anything. Let me tell you why. Isaiah 59 says this. Listen, the Lord is, too weak. The Lord is not too weak to save you. He's not becoming deaf. He can hear you when you call. Listen to this. But there is a problem. Your sins have cut you off from God. Because of your sin, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Your hands are the hands of murderers. Your fingers are filthy with sin. Your mouth is full of lies. Your lips are tainted with corruption. 
Those are really good scriptures to hang on your bathroom mirror when you wake up in the morning. But church, I think the problem is, is that we forget what, the, what our sin really is. You know what sin really does? Sin separates you from God. Sin separates us from God. It has always separated us from God. You might say, how does sin separate us? Well, do the math in your own life. What happens when you sin? You pull away and hide it. Well, look at the average, well, I don't know, two-year-old. What does the average two-year-old do? They sneak in the cookie jar and grab a cookie and run and hide. Because we taught them that? No, it's because the sin nature inside of all of us is to get it and hide. Every one of us has this crazy sin problem. Look at what it says in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. It says in Ezekiel 18.4. For all people are mine to judge, both parents and children alike. Listen to this. And this is my rule, God says. The person that sins is the one who will die. 1 John 1.8-10 says this. We have said... If we say that we have no sin, that we're only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from every wrong. If we claim that we have not sinned, that we're calling God a liar show, and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Hmm. Those are harsh. That's tough. I mean, God's just like punching you straight between the nose and saying, listen, because of your sin, you have separated yourself from God. Well, you know what that, that merits? That merits for something to happen. Come on, God, do something. It wasn't our fault. God, if you really loved us, you would step in and do something. I mean, isn't that the cry deep within our hearts? God, it wasn't my fault in the first place. If you loved me, you would make a way. <laughs> I love the fact that God didn't just let us wallow in our problem. I love the fact that in the midst of our problem, our sin that separates us from God, our sin that pulled us away, that, that, that this loving God said, I got a plan. I got a plan. I have a plan. I have a plan to help you not be separated by your sin. I have a plan to help you not be pulled away. I'm always amazed when I have somebody come to me and say, Pastor, what kind of a loving God would send people to hell? And I say, not a very loving one. And they agree. You're right. That loving God of yours sends people to hell. <laughs> no, this loving God that I know made a way so people didn't have to go. You don't have to go to hell if you don't want to. You go to hell because you want to. <laughs> See, salvation is an offer. It's not an obligation. See, you don't need to choose to receive or surrender your life to Jesus if you don't want to. But you see, there's this, there's this problem. The problem is, is because we have this sin thing, God said in Ezekiel 18.4, this is my rule, he says, the soul that sins is the one who will die. Well, then how do we solve this problem? The Bible goes on to say that there is only one way to solve the problem. There's only one way to fix the situation. There's only one way to remove this sin and replace it with rightness. And it's only this. If a perfect man is born and a perfect man lives life perfectly and a perfect man lays his life down and pays the penalty for all of our sin, That's the plan. See, that's what Jesus did, right? 
The Bible said God sent his son into the world to fix the problem, to pay the penalty, to, to, to take what it is that we have to pay ourselves and paid it for us. Here's the really cool thing. You don't have to receive him if you don't want to. You can pay it all yourself. But you're going to come up short, woefully short. Because y'all ain't perfect. Contrary to what you think. Love never forces. Love always invites. Polly and I, a while back, uh, we needed some work done on our house. And so we invited a contractor to give us a bid on the work that needed to be done. So I'll call him Tim. Uh, he comes to our house and he, he gives us a look over our house and the thing that we needed work on. And so he came in and He's sitting down at our dining room table, and Tim looks at me, and, and you know, like all guys do, you have to ask the question, the obligatory question, so what do you do, right? And I'm like, well, I know what you do, so I'll tell you what I do, right? So uh, I'm a pastor. And he goes, he literally takes his pen, he puts it on the table, and he goes, again? And I said, what? He goes, oh, man, every time I turn around, I feel like I, I keep ending up in these in, the, in these homes of people who are like Christians like you, he goes, my, my wife and the, this guy I went to last week and this guy I work with, they all keep telling me that if I don't give my life to Jesus that I'm on my way to hell. And I was like, wow, that's weird. <laughs> he goes, wait, what? I said, oh, that's weird, man. That's crazy. Because he's baiting me, man. He wants me to jump right down his throat. And I was like, Tim, listen, man. I don't know, you don't have to do it if you don't want to, so you can go ahead and do it yourself. He goes, whoa, 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 wait, what? I said, no, 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 you don't have to become a Christian if you don't want to become a Christian. Knock yourself out. Hell is a drag. But you get to choose to pay the penalty yourself. It just requires a perfect sacrifice, and you're not it. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, come on, man. And, and as we're talking a little bit, I was just like, look, look, I, I, I'm not here. I said, I'm going to ask you a question. Why did God send you to my house? He goes, I don't know. And I said, no, really, I think God might have set this up and sent you to my house because he wanted you to hear what I had to say. And he goes, no, 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 God doesn't do that kind of stuff. And I was like, that's amazing how much you know about how God does and how he does it because you don't even know it. <laughs> but you always amazed by that? People telling you what God would do and not do and they don't even know him? Let me tell you this, I think God did it. We had an opportunity to talk and share Christ with him. And you know what I didn't do? Everything that I wanted to do, which was just seal the deal. I asked him, I was like, what are you afraid of? He goes, I'm afraid of being like church people. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, because church people hurt people. And I said, you know what? They do. I said, the sad thing is, is I'm a church people and I probably hurt people. I don't mean to do that. That happens, but here's the crazy thing, man. When you put humans in the church, you end up with a church full of humans, and we're going to hurt people. <laughs> right? Tweet that. Say, <laughs> so we're not perfect, man. We're just a bunch of people trying to figure this thing out. Kind of like you. I don't know where Tim is today. I think one day God's going to get to the bottom of Tim. He keeps on putting us in his way. Jesus be with Tim. Hmm. Salvation is an offer. It's not an obligation. We have a problem, and this big, ugly problem we have is called sin, and it needs to be solved. 
which merits God sending us a plan. If you have your Bibles, open it up to the book of Luke chapter 22. I want to show you the plan of salvation that God set up before us. I'm not talking about the four spiritual laws plan, which is an awesome plan. I'm talking to you about the plan that God showed up. I, I love when I read the Bible. Uh, there's a, uh, an old radio show that used to be on. Used to be, I think it was either that, uh, Dave Ross used to be on the radio. He, he would say, maybe still is, but he would say this one little segment called News Read Real Slow. You ever heard that? Probably, I think some of us need to read our Bibles a little slow because we go too fast. Oftentimes there's a message in the message. Last week we got a chance to read about this Last Supper moment when Jesus uh, showed them clearly a plan and literally showed them that he took his, 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 his place in front of them as a servant, laying his life down and washing the, 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 the path from their life off of their feet. Today I want to show you a little bit more about the plan of salvation. This, this fixing of our big, ugly sin problem. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 22. Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived. It was also called Passover. When the Passover lambs were sacrificed, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead. Go ahead, prepare the Passover meal so that we can eat together. Where do you want us to go, they asked him. He replied, as soon as you enter the city of Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room so that, we can prepare, so that we can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is the place. Go ahead and prepare the supper there. I always think it's so funny. This sounds like Mission Impossible. So it's just funny. So the way, you ever read the Bible and you're like, that just felt funny? Like there's something about that, right? It almost feels like you ever see Mission Impossible when he says, this is your... your to plan if you choose to accept it, or this is your, uh, whatever it is he says, you know, if you choose to accept it, and then it burns up. It's like this, he said this, so Jesus, what are, what are we supposed to do? And Jesus says, here's what you must do. As soon as you enter into Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner. The teacher asks, where's the guest room where I can eat with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that's already set up. At that place, go ahead and prepare the meal there. If you choose to accept this, We'll burn up in fire. And it's just so funny because like this moment, right? And, and I, listen, sometimes we read the Bible too fast and we miss the whole message. Do you realize in this few sentences is the plan of salvation? I don't know if you see it, but there's a plan of salvation. I mean, think about this for a second. This is Jesus who's experienced the Passover meal his entire life. He's 30-some years old, right? We, we know that's the, the, the case. The, all of these people who were with him, his disciples, all experienced the Passover. At this point, this is the Thursday night, literally, of the, of, of the week, what we call the Holy Week. Just remember, a few days before, there were thousands of people holding up palm branches saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were just making a big deal about him. There are thousands and thousands of people hanging out in Jerusalem. Jesus says, we have to eat the Passover too. It's the law, so we're going to fulfill it. And he says, Go to the place where there's a house, there's a man carrying a pitcher of water that you don't know, and he's going to tell you what to do. And sometimes we look to the Bible and we think, well, Jesus was just, he was just doing the duty. <laughs> now, people, let me tell you this. This is the plan of salvation laid out for us. Let me explain. Listen to this. Let's unpack the plan. The plan is, is we're a sinful, wretched mess that can't make our way to heaven because we're not that great. And we need a Savior who will wash us clean from all of our sin. Somebody say amen. amen. Here's the plan. It says an unnamed, an unnamed, unknown man will meet you. Luke writes, an unnamed, unknown man will meet you. What's the plan? The plan revealed. 
Jesus will come and meet you in the midst of your messy world. He's going to lay out this plan of salvation, and he shows us in these few verses that Jesus is the unknown, unnamed man who will show up in the middle of a crowd. How are we going to find him? How are we going to find this unknown, unnamed man? Jesus said, that's easy. I'll send him to you. Just like Jesus was sent to us. Goes on to say this in the plan. He will have a pitcher of water. Well, how are we going to find that? Some dude carrying a pitcher of water. How difficult can that be when there are literally over a half million people milling around the little city? How are we going to find a guy carrying water? Well, here's how. First of all, men didn't carry water. Women did. Culturally. A little easier to find. But what's a man doing carrying water if culturally it's more wise for a woman to have carried the water? Oh, that's easy. More message inside the plan. The man... (laughs) who's the unknown, unnamed man, will be carrying the water of life. The very essence of salvation, which will wash away your sin, he'll be carrying within his hands, getting ready to come and pour it out upon you. Goes on. Part three says this, follow him. Jesus called every disciple that were with him with two words, follow me. The plan revealed Follow me meant more than directions. Follow me meant do as I do, walk as I walk, say as I say. Literally, Jesus was saying this. I'm going to send an unknown, unnamed man who will come carrying the life that's going to wash the sin from your life. Walk with him. Walk his walk. Journey his course. Follow him. If you want this salvation I'm talking about, keep on reading. He goes on. He will take you to a prepared place. Take you to a prepared place. It's interesting, there's a Greek word. I'm not a big Greek word pronouncer, but the Greek word is actually kataluma, kataluma, which literally means this. It means a, uh, it means a guest room, a kataluma. It's, it's a place for someone to recline and relax. Kata means to, uh, to untie, basically. Luma means to, to, to loosen. Kata, untie or loosen, basically. He's saying this. Loosen your load. A kataluma was like a guest room where people kind of chilled. It was basically the family room. Jesus says, take us to a family room, a place where family is able to relax. In fact, there's only a couple of other places in the Bible where the word kataluma is used, one of which is at Jesus' birth. When the Bible says there was no room in the kataluma. In other words, people made no room for him in their living space. People made no room. And Jesus says, there's a guy who's come that's unknown, unnamed, carrying salvation. Follow him. And he will have a prepared place in the kataluma. He'll have a a prepared place in the life of someone who will make room for them. For him. He says, say to the owner of the house. The teacher asks. I love this. The teacher asks, what's the revealed plan? The revealed plan is that Jesus will always ask. The devil will always barge. I love this. It says in the book of Revelations, look here, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me calling, open the door and I will come in and I'll share a meal with you as friends. By the way, church people, this was written to church people. It wasn't written to not church people. The book of Revelation was written to a church and it says this, church people, He stands at the door of your heart and knocks. He's continually saying, listen, you let me in. Let me in. I'll come in. I love this. 
He says, an unknown, unnamed man will be coming into a city. You'll see him carrying water, carrying the life. Follow him. And take him to the kataluma. And then the teacher will ask, can I come in? See, Jesus never forced his way in. Love never forces. Love always invites. Jesus would never tell you, you must. You have to. You'd better. Jesus says, I invite you to come follow me. Sixth part of the plan. Go prepare a meal there. The revealed plan. Jesus will send people into your life to help prepare to receive this gift of salvation. In other words, Jesus says to Peter and John to go to that kataluma and to prepare a place. I love this because God has sent people into your life. God sent myself into that guy Tim's life. God sent people into your life. God's sending you into others' lives. God is using you to have somebody come in and prepare a meal, to bring the water. Literally, he's saying this, the plan of salvation is never a forced plan. The plan of salvation is a welcomed plan. The plan of salvation is, is an offer, not an obligation. You don't have to leave here saved if you don't want to leave here saved. You can continue living life the way you've always lived it. And I love that in these few short verses, Jesus is literally saying this, I have a fix for the big ugly problem. I got a patch for the hole. I got a fix for the program that's not working. I got an understanding on how to solve this sin problem that all of us seem to be walking in. Because there one day in your life will be an unknown, unnamed person who will show up with somebody who has water of life in their hand. He will say, come and follow him. Then he will say, the teacher invites, would you want me to come in? Do you want me to come into your life? And then he'll prepare a place for salvation to have its way in your life. See, I love the Bible because the Bible spells out so clearly this plan of salvation, this offer for us, this moment. And every one of us comes here today with our own versions of, of, of righteousness, our own versions of doing things our best way. And, and I'll tell you this, at the very end of the day, we're all left with this problem. God, I can't do without you. Or, I'm just fine, God, move along. Both of them are viable options. One is a good one, one is not. My question for you this morning is will you make room in your life for him? Will you make room in your life for Jesus to come in and pay the penalty for your sin? Because every one of us has it. Every one of us has this problem that we can't afford to solve. And he simply said, listen, I already paid the penalty for you. You just simply need to surrender to it. I don't know what happened to Tim. I don't know where Tim is today. I don't know if one day he's going to look and say, yeah, I remember. I, mean, I know one day that he's going to stand before God like we're going to stand before God and God's going to say, hey man, I sent you to Lance and Polly's house. Remember that one afternoon? It was raining like crazy. I sent you there. Remember that day? And I told Lance what I wanted him to say and you didn't think it was me. See, see I wonder what you're going to say when you're going to sit before, stand before Jesus in heaven and you're going to say, I remember the story about Tim that Lance was sharing and I refused that offer of salvation. But when you say, that's the day my life changed because I realized I have an offer too. 
Will you make room in in your life for him? That's the plan. Next week, I want to talk to you about the promise. What do we get as the result of this salvation? What changes in your life as the result of you surrendering to him? But this morning, before we move on, can we pray? Because some of you today might want to surrender your life to Jesus. Some of you today might say, you know what, that's me. I've been on the outside looking in. It's time for me to seal the deal. I want to go to heaven. Don't want to go to hell. If that's you, let's solve that problem right now. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for today. Thank you for an opportunity to to meet you. Thank you for, God, the, the way your Bible is so clear and exposes your plan so many different ways. I pray this morning that as men and women, we would stop long enough to realize that we have a problem that we can't fix. Or to realize that we have a, a big chasm between our goodness and your, required, your requirement. Lord, this morning I pray that men and women today who are here today or listening to us online, God, would come to the place where they would realize they can surrender it all to you. Literally say, Jesus, I give you all of me and I get all of you. If that's you this morning, I want you to just say that. Jesus, I give you me. I surrender. I can't do it myself. I'm not good enough. I can't get good enough. I keep on blowing it. Lord, I need, my, I need your salvation. Would you pour your living water all over my life? Will you wash me clean from the path that I've been walking? Because I need you this morning. Take my sin away, God, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.